Today we resume in our study of the gospel here in Luke. We are in the last 40 verses. Today in the account, we are now on this side of the resurrection. Jesus, our Lord, has been crucified. He has been dead in the grave for three days, and now he stands as the resurrected Savior. Let me begin this morning by asking the question, today, are you living in light of our risen Savior? A very simple question, but a very profound question. Today, are you living in light of our risen Savior? Meaning this, today is your life different. Has your life changed because you hold the truth that Jesus truly is alive? Because let me tell you this morning, for us as sinners and for us as believers, if we truly believe that Jesus today is alive, nothing can be the same. We need to understand that. We need to see that today. If you truly believe Jesus is the payment for our sin, Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, and today Jesus is alive, nothing can ever really be the same. Understand, if Jesus is alive, your priorities can't be the same. It's not, it's not possible. If Jesus is alive, your perspective can't be the same. The way you see life can never be the same. If Jesus is alive, your purpose should never be the same. And the truth, again, is for us as believers, everything changes with a risen Savior. So has it? Do you have a different set of priorities, or do your priorities match those of the world? Do you have a different perspective? And I'm talking to us as individuals. Do you have a different perspective or do you see the same as the world around us? Do you have a different purpose in life or are you serving the same purpose as the rest of the world around us? Listen, these are not just lofty questions for religious people. These are for those of us who claim to believe in a resurrected Savior. Is your life different in light of the resurrection. Today we're going to again look at, as, we, as we're here moving through chapter 24, the resurrection of Jesus, the truth of a risen Savior. My, my hope today, my prayer today, is that we would truly be impacted, that we would be changed today, that we would be transformed in our study today. Sometimes you think, you know what, this is a gradual process, and I believe that it is, but my prayer is that we would be transformed today in the hearing of a risen, resurrected Savior. Today our message is entitled, A Walk with the Lamb. A Walk with the Lamb. Our verses are found in Luke chapter 24. Today verses 13 all the way to verse 35. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. A Walk with the Lamb. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 24, beginning here in verse 13. God's word says this. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about these, all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. 
but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words which you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who is a prophet, mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us, women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but they did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going. And he acted as if, as though he were going further. But they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us as he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the, the 11 and those who were with them saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We're thankful for a risen, resurrected Savior. We're thankful for the payment for our sin. We're thankful for the redemption offered through faith in Jesus Christ. We're thankful that the tomb was and is empty. We're thankful for the truth of your word that confirms and records these things. Lord, I pray that today you would speak to us. I pray that it would be a supernatural event. I pray that these that have gathered, that you would lead us, that you would direct us, that you would change our hearts, you would change our perspectives, and I pray that you would be glorified in all of it. Lord, I pray if there's one in this room, and maybe several, that do not know you, I pray that today in the preaching of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray that any barrier would be removed, any hindrance would be removed. And again, I pray, Lord, that in all of this, the name of Jesus is lifted up. We love you, we thank you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We've got a lot of verses to climb over today, and so let's very quickly begin. Remember the context today. Understand where we're at in the context. The first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday. 
At this point, Mary Magdalene and the other women have found the tomb to be empty. They have gone and they have reported the news to the apostles and the other followers of Christ. The Bible tells us that John and Peter have literally run to the tomb, to the grave, to find that the grave is empty. Just like the women reported, it was exactly as they said. Now, understand, when they find this grave empty, the greatest event, the most tremendous event in all of history has occurred. And I think sometimes we need to see the significance of that. We need to understand the profoundness of that. When they come on this resurrection Sunday morning, when they come to the tomb and it is empty, the greatest, most tremendous event in all of history has occurred. The angels say, why do you seek the living among the dead? For he is not here, for he has risen. Jesus is alive. We'll understand That is this day. These are those events. And then here in the Gospel of Luke, and it's only recorded in the Gospel of Luke, we find this really odd event occurring here on the same day. And that is the context for our verses today. It is Resurrection Sunday. The tomb is empty. The women have testified. Peter and John have gone and found it exactly as they said, and the angels have announced Jesus is alive. And that brings us to our verses today, starting in verse 13. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Two of Jesus' followers, not one of the 11, we're going to read in a little bit that the 11 are found in Jerusalem, but two disciples of Jesus, two followers of Jesus are leaving the city and they're walking to a village seven miles away. The name of the village is Emmaus. Now, as we move through the account, I already began to picture them. These events have taken place. It has been a really a radical few days. And here they are walking home, walking these seven miles back to the village of Emmaus. Now, I picture them in verse 13. As they make their way home, they have no idea what they're in for. They have no idea what this day is going to hold. Verse 14. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Now, the the word in the Greek, the original language for talking here, it it means conversing back and forth. And that is the meaning of the word. They They are bantering back and forth. One would talk and he would say something, and the other would talk and he would say something. One would talk and then the other would interject something. And there is this back and forth bantering going along, as they are walking towards Emmaus. Luke says that they were discussing the things which had taken place. Now imagine all that that entails. Think about that as they're they're making their way to Emmaus. Think about all the things that they could talk about. They could talk about, do you remember the triumphal entry? Do you remember the, the words that were spoken? Do you remember what happened when he got to the temple? Do you remember the the crazy things that that happened at the temple? Do you remember the Passover celebration, the Passover feast? 
Do you remember the Jewish leaders? Do you remember them all the way through this? Do you remember what they said? Do you remember the trials? Hearing of these trials, do you, do you remember the crucifixion? And they could talk about the, the crucifixion of Jesus. Do you remember when he carried his, his cross being there to Golgotha? Do you remember when he breathed his last? And now these other rumors that he's alive and they could talk about, well, the, the, the tomb is empty. They went and they confirmed that it's empty. What about what the angels have spoken as well? And they're talking about who said what and, and who saw what. And this crazy conversation is going back and forth as they're walking along the road. Verse 15. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Now verse 15 is really a pretty, a pretty crazy verse. For this reason, and I was thinking about this, of all the places for Jesus to be, he has risen from the dead. He has walked out of the grave. He has defeated death. He stands as the risen Savior of all the places that Jesus could be. And I can start to think of, of some of the places he should have gone, of all the places that he could have gone, of all the places that the risen Savior should be. He walks up on these two guys. Two guys making their way home. Two days discussing the, the week's events. And he walks up and he begins to get in with these two guys. Verse 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. It literally means, it literally translates, they could not perceive who he was. They couldn't see, they couldn't understand who he was. And so Jesus comes along, they're making the way, they're in this conversation, and Jesus joins them, and they could not perceive who he was. Now, it doesn't say why. It doesn't say what, what it was that made it where they couldn't see. I, I think about that. I'm sure the, the last person that they thought they would see on this day the last person that they thought they would see on this road would be Jesus. But it doesn't tell us the reason. But for whatever reason, they can't perceive, they can't understand that this is Jesus with them. Verse 17. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. Verse 17, Jesus asked them, now this is my translation, what are y'all talking about? Maybe he was from South Galilee. He comes up, he joins the caravan, these two guys, they're walking, he, he joins in and Jesus basically says, what are y'all talking about? And the Bible says, and they stood still looking sad. It, it, it translates, it literally means they stopped in their tracks. They're, they're walking along. They're making their way home. I don't know the, the pace that they were carrying as they were walking, but they're, they're walking along and they're talking, they're conversing. And when Jesus says this, they stop in their tracks. They, they stop moving. They freeze in their tracks. And the Bible says, looking sad. Be sure and see this. This is more than just the latest happening. Sometimes we think, well, these guys are going home 
and they're just talking about the latest thing that happened in town. They're talking about the latest gossip that happened in town. Understand, this is more than that. Their world is upside down. Be sure to understand, they are crushed as they are walking home. They are perplexed. Their minds are stretched out. They can't understand the events. They're trying to get a handle on it. They are crushed. They are perplexed. They don't understand, and they literally stop in their tracks. They're filled with sadness. They're overcome with sadness. Verse 18. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of these things which have happened here in the last days? Cleopas says, Everyone knows this. Everybody knows this. The whole town knows this. If they didn't see it, at least they knew somebody that did see it. And so everybody's heard about this. It's all the talk. It's all the talk there in Jerusalem. He says, are you the only one? Are, are you the only one? Really, he asked them, where have you been? Where have you been? Now, I'm, I'm kind of weird. I'll admit that. But I think about this. And I, I was just picturing this, this event. They're walking home. They're trying to figure this out. They're talking on the way home. Uh, Jesus comes along. They can't understand. They can't perceive who Jesus is. And he says, what are y'all talking about? And he turns around and says, are you the only one that hasn't heard? How haven't you heard? Where have you been? And I start to wonder. I start to think about all the, the possible, possible things he could have replied. He could have said... Well, actually, guys, let me tell you. Where have you been? I have endured the cross. Where have you been? I paid the price for sin, all of it. I, I paid it. Where have you been? I defeated Satan. I crushed his very head. Where have you been? I went and I preached to the captives. You are free today. Where have you been? I'm the one that defeated death. It is defeated today. It has no sting. Where have you been? I just walked out of a grave. That is where I've been. Verse 19, instead he says, what things? Verse 19. And he said to them, what things? <laughs> and they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who is a prophet mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people. Listen to verse 19 again. The things, what things? The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who is a prophet mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people. Verse 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Here's, here's what they say to Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus, the Nazarene. We've been talking about the one and, and how we had our hopes pinned on him. We've been talking about, we've been talking about Jesus, but man, they, they crucified him. Verse 20, they, they crucified him. They, they really did it. They, they killed him. We saw it with our very own eyes. He's dead. They crucified him. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who is going to redeem Israel. 
Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. In verse 21, feel their sadness. We were talking about Jesus, the Nazarene. We were, we were talking about Jesus and all the, the mighty words and deeds that he had done, if, all the things that he could have said. And, and if you could have just heard the things that he said, oh, they're tremendous. If we had time to tell you all the things that he said, oh, if we could tell you all the things that he did, oh, if we could begin to start and tell you the miraculous things that he did, the things that we've seen, oh, the things that he did, the things that we've heard. And we were sure, we were sure, can you imagine as they, as they looked to Jesus, we were sure, man, we were sure. Simeon, he was sure. Anna, she was sure. John the Baptist, he was sure. Mary and Martha, they were sure. Zacchaeus there in the tree, he was sure. Blind Bartimaeus, he received his grace, he was sure. Peter and John, they were sure. We were sure, we were sure. But they crucified him. We saw it. We were sure he was the one. We were sure he was the one. All of us. But they crucified him. Can you feel the sadness? You see, if he is dead, he was indeed just a teacher. If he is dead, he was just perhaps another prophet. If he was dead, then, then dying with him was the hope of Israel. It, it died with him. We, we pinned our hopes on him, but he's dead and our hopes have died. We hoped it was he who was going to redeem Israel. These two guys are walking and their hearts are broken. We were sure. We were sure. We waited and we were sure but they crucified him. They then go on with the account, verse 22. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning, verse 23, and they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive, verse 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. These guys here in verse 24, these two guys, they heard Mary Magdalene, they heard the other women as they testified that Jesus is alive. It says some of us, some of us went to check it out. We know that that was Peter and John, and they found it as they said, the tomb is empty. And that's all the information they have. We don't know what's going on. They say the tomb is empty. They say they, they saw a vision of angels and they said he's not here, he's risen. The tomb is empty. That's all the information they have. They don't know. Here's where it takes a turn. Now I want you to watch now what Jesus does. Here's, here's where the whole account takes a turn. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. The word foolish, and I want you to be sure and see this, the word foolish is not a word of disdain. 
It's not a word of contempt. Now, there is a word for that. There's a word that means foolish person or fool. That is a word of contempt, a word of disdain. But this is not that word. This foolish means a person lacking understanding, a person without the right perception. And so so Jesus says here, oh, don't you see it? Don't you see it? You should have seen it. You didn't, your heart didn't connect all of the dots. You didn't understand what the prophets were saying. Somehow you missed what they were saying. You missed it. You should have gotten it, but you've missed it. Oh, you foolish one, you slow of heart to understand what the prophets have said. Verse 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this. Notice there in verse 25, it says, all that the prophets were saying. O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. O foolish men and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Have spoken. Understand what we're seeing here in verse 25 and verse 26. They got part of it, but they didn't get all of it. Notice that word all. All that the prophets have spoken. They got part of what was said, but they didn't get all of what they said. You see, understand here, they got the part about the king. They understood the coming of a king. They understood the promise of a king that one would sit on the throne of David and the throne would not be absent of a king. They understood that a king would come, that a king would redeem Israel, that he would rule the world, that he would set everything right. They got the king. They hoped for a king. They looked for a king. Remember the triumphal entry. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They understood the king. They didn't get the lamb. They didn't grasp the lamb. In fact, the hard part was they could not reconcile the king, the glorious king, the king that's promised with the suffering lamb. And though they tried, it could never add up. It would never make sense. They couldn't understand the king and a suffering lamb. And so they got part of it. They got the king, but they missed some of it. They missed the lamb. They missed that Abraham said, and God himself will provide the lamb. They, they missed that you were passed over. You were delivered in the covering of the blood of the lamb in the book of Exodus. They missed the, the law of Moses that it taught purification comes through the blood of a lamb. They missed Isaiah, as he says, like a sheep before his shears go. They missed that he would suffer like a sheep, that he would die like a sheep. And they got the part of the king, but they missed the part about the lamb. They got some of it. They got the king. They didn't get all of it. They missed the lamb. Next, we find a very awesome verse. A very important verse for us as the church, a foundational verse, verse 27. Let me read verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning 
himself, every word's important, in all the scriptures. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Understand this. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He writes the first five books. And it says here, and starting with those, starting with Moses, starting with the first five books. And then he says, and then going on through the prophets, going on through the rest of the writers, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, all the way through he begins, all the way through he goes and he starts in Genesis. He starts at the beginning and he starts with with the, the words written down by Moses and he goes all the way through the scriptures and he shows where they, his words, all pointed to him. Listen to me today. I want you to see this today. Be sure and understand this. This is why we preach the Bible. This is why we defend the Bible. This is why we stand on the doctrine of the Bible. This is why Satan attacks the Bible. This is why the world today hates the Bible because brothers and sisters, all of it, from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, every word of it testifies to Jesus. And what could have only been magnificent? And it's not recorded. Oh, I wish I could listen. I wish I could see it. But what could have only been magnificent? Jesus says, let me show you me in the garden. Let me show you me in the ark of the flood. Let me show you me in the covenant of Genesis 15. I will pay. Let me, let me show you me in the promise to Abraham, a nation, a blessed promised land. Let me show you me in the promise to Abraham. Let me show you me in the exodus. I myself will be your deliverer when there's no way out and there's no hope. I myself will deliver you. Let me show you me as the host of the Lord's army with Joshua. Let me show you me in the law. All of it was to crush you in your sin and to break you and to point you to a savior. Let me show you me in the law. Let me show you me in the lamb. Lamb after lamb after lamb. Let me show you me in the blood of those lambs. Let me show you me in the kinsman redeemer, the only one that has the right to save. Let me show you me as the one that'll keep your tears in a bottle. I know your pain. Let me show you me who writes your name in the book of remembrance. Let me show you me as the great shepherd, the one that'll stay with the sheep. Let me show you me as the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior from God. Every single word, let me show you me. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how magnificent that is? Let me show you, let me unfold it. Let you see me. Verse 28. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going further. Now verse 28 is kind of a weird verse. See this. It doesn't mean he tried to fool them. 
It doesn't mean like he tried to trick them. He seemed like, he, he, it looked like he was going to go further. His actions seemed to tell us he's going to go on further. So he's not trying to fool them and act like he's going further. It seemed like he was going to go on further. Verse 29. But they urged him saying, stay with us for it is getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. Verse 30. When he had reclined at the table with them, He took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And understand, this is not a a reenactment of the Lord's Supper. He says he'll not do that again until he does it with us in paradise and glory. You can make the comparisons here as you hear the language. But very simply, this says Jesus is eating with them. Jesus traveled with them. All the places he could have been, he travels with them. Jesus goes in their house, their simple home, all the places he could have been, he goes to their table and he dines with them. Jesus, very simply, is eating with them. Verse 31. Then their eyes were open. I'm gonna back up and read 30 with it. When he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. As they are eating, they recognize who he is. Now, it doesn't say what sparks that. It doesn't say what what brings that on. It doesn't say why it happens. Maybe it was the teaching. Maybe it was the scriptures that he had gone through. But while they were eating... Their eyes are open and they recognize Jesus. Here's what I think. I think this. I think the last time that he took bread and he broke it, his hands didn't have any holes on them. But I I believe that on this day, as he sits at the table with Cleopas and this other guy, and he breaks the bread... There they see his two holes. Now I want you to imagine this. They're they're there with Jesus, the resurrected Savior. They don't understand who he is. He said some tremendous things. They're not perceiving who he is. But as he reaches out and he takes the bread, here's this guy at their table and as their custom is, they're being hospitable to him and there he is at the table and he reaches out and he breaks the bread and they see a hole in his hand hole from a nail. Can you imagine their hearts? And they they would instinctively look to the other hand. They look down at the other hand and maybe as he's holding the loaf in that hand, he's broken the bread. They look at that hand and in that hand they see another hole in his hand. They see the holes from the nails from a few days earlier at Calvary and then they have to look to his face and they recognize that is our Savior. He is risen. He is alive. I wonder if they remember then the words from Isaiah. And he will be pierced through for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. 
By his stripes we are healed. They see, I believe, the holes, the nails in his hands, the marks of the nails, and they recognize Jesus in our presence is the Lamb of God. The Bible says as fast as they recognize, he vanishes. Verse 32. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Verse 33. And they got up that very hour. They said it's almost, day. It's almost the end of the day. It's almost the evening. And they got up at that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Seven miles home, they turn around seven miles back and found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them. Here's what the 11 are doing. Verse 34 saying, the Lord has really risen and he's appeared to Simon. They make the seven miles back. They find the 11 gathered together. When they find the 11, the 11 are saying, he is really risen. He is really alive. He's appeared to Peter, to Simon. Verse 35, they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Folks, here's the question. Are we living today in the light of a risen Savior? Are we living today in the light of a risen Savior? Have our priorities, listen, have your priorities changed because Jesus is alive? Has your perspective changed because Jesus is alive? Or do you have the same goggles that this cruddy world wears? Has your purpose changed? There is a risen Savior. He's commissioned us to tell the world about him. Has your purpose changed because there's a risen Savior? Let me tell you something today. I believe here's the problem. We've become numb. How? I don't know how we've become numb to that. We've become numb. We've heard so much about the resurrection today. It's no big deal to us anymore. We've become numb. It's not earth shattering. Yeah, he's resurrected. Yeah, we're safe, but not enough to change anything. Let me tell you something. I see it all the time. Our hearts no longer burn at the word of God. Our hearts no longer burn at the word that points to Jesus. We no longer long for the word of God. We're no longer desiring to consume the word of God. The very word that every word of it will point to Jesus. The word that tells us he's alive. Be sure of this today. We serve. We follow. We exalt the king. All glory to the king. Christ the king. We follow the king. The king of all the kings. We exalt the king today. But I want you to understand that king is also the lamb that was pierced for our transgressions, that was crushed for our iniquities, that by his scourging we are healed. And may our hearts today burn with the intensity that their hearts burn. Yes, he's risen from the dead. Yes, he's alive. Yes, he's the king. But it's the lamb who is the king. May our hearts burn. We have a risen savior today. Our savior is alive. How does that not change everything? Our savior is alive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come. And I tell you two things. Lord, I tell you these things. 
First thing is this, I am sorry. Lord, I am sorry, I am sorry that we have become numb, that I become numb to the truth of a resurrected lamb. The lamb who was slain is the lamb who lives. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive us. How can we be anything less than these two guys? Lord, forgive us. And my second thing, Lord, is to tell you, I thank you. I praise you, I thank you, I praise you. And I see very carefully the character of my Savior. That anybody else would have went and sought out a big stage. Anybody else would have went and heaped glory upon himself. Anybody else would have went and climbed a mountaintop and said, I'm alive. But instead he goes and finds two people hurting of the brokenness of a lost world the same way he finds us. Lord, I see your character. The Savior that would leave the 99 in search of the one. Lord, I see your faithfulness. I see your trustworthiness. So we come today and we praise the risen, reigning Lamb, Jesus. I praise you. I thank you. Lord, I pray as we hear this today as your church, I pray that our priorities would shift even this day. That our purpose, we would grab hold of that purpose. Yeah, we could, we could keep satisfying ourselves. We could keep feeding the things of this world, but it's not the purpose you've given us. Lord, I pray our purpose would change. I pray that our perspective would change. We see this world spinning out of control. We see the heartache. Lord, give us the perspective of a risen Savior. Lord, change us this day, this very day. Lord, I pray for some here that do not know you. Maybe they've heard this a million times. Maybe of all people, they've become numb to it all. But I pray that today they would see anew. When we fail in sin, when we slander your name, when we go our own way, when we're condemned, lost, that there is a Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray for somebody today to put their faith in you. Lord, for your glory, speak to their hearts. Lord, we come and we finish this day, this message, this service. And we open our hands and we tell you we love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you and we worship you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.